0: ACAST recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to, right now. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast special edition. I am Lee Calvert, and for this one, there's no Josh with me this week as I'll be doing the first of our interviews with a semi, semi-regular podcast, an all-round top fellow, Mr. Mike Bub- Bubbins. Hello, Mike.
1: Hello, world. Hello, Lee. How are you, mate?
0: Not too bad, mate. Now, currently, you're a stand-up and, you know, TV star, aren't
1: you? I'm on the verge of being a TV star. i got to think of myself as an embryonic TV star, stand-up comic writer, uh, radio personality, and all-round good egg, Yeah,
0: yeah. But we're actually here to talk about your rugby career. I'm sure some of that stuff will come into it, to be honest. But uh, uh, we're talk- here to talk about your rugby career because you are quite a long career and an interesting career. I think we'll soon find out, won't we? Um, yeah. So going back to the beginning, then let's do right. some. Ba- let's do some basics. Where are you from, and when and where did you start playing rugby?
1: Right from Barry in South Wales. So I would have started playing rugby in what we would then have called in the 80s standard three. We'd call that year six now. No year five in, in schools these days. So, yeah, I started as a, as a young kid playing. Um, my very earliest memory of rugby was in a place called Romley Park there, I think called the Firework Fiesta. I was playing my first game at Gladstone Junior School. We played St. Barracks Junior School, which was the Welsh team, and I was the year below, obviously. And I just remember going to tackle this big kid under floodlights, and he just handed me off in the face. These were the days when there was no sort of pathway in junior rugby. It was just, you know, it was just smaller people playing with a full ball. <laughs> He just handed me off in the face and I went flying and landed on my ass. And can't thought, that, that can't be, that, can't be, that, that must be illegal, surely. Right?
0: And he thought, This is the game for me.
1: I thought, This is the game for me. <laughs> and I was in no looking back. Really. But I, was, I was football, first of all. And then, well, man, had been a big, bit of a um, captain of the local club for a few years and was a bit of a, a well known figure at the rugby club. I think they always sort of assumed I'd go into rugby. But I just loved football for, for as a very young kid. And then, uh, yeah, I was, I was like, I sort of realised I was pretty shit at football and quite good at rugby. I just played more rugby and less football.
0: No, I, I love, my dad was a very good footballer and I inherited absolutely nothing of his talent whatsoever. Mm. Uh, so, but I always liked playing football I couldn't play it. And I love playing, I grew up in rugby league time, I love playing rugby. Worked out quite early, even know I liked it, I wasn't very good at it. I was never likely to be any good at it, but kept going. Oh. Um, did you know fairly? When did you know you were decent at it? Because you had a fairly decent career, didn't you? So when when did you know you were thinking I'm better than everyone around me, or as good as, yes. as the people who were good and all that stuff?
1: No, you're right. The first time, better better than the people around me. Um, well, first sort of as a kid, a young young kid, I got sort of year playing rugby. I got picked for the county and that sort. of I got the, the under 11s and then when I went to sort of secondary school, then you know you're playing you're playing for your school first team and all that sort of thing, and then right through school. Up to the end of the you know the end of eighteen or the nineteen thing, I always played, always played uh, district rugby and county rugby, and then when we got to sort of sixteen, fifteen, they started picking East Wales and West Wales, and I was always in the East Wales team.
0: And was that always uh, as a back rower? Because you ended up as a back rower, didn't you? Did you was it we on that fairly early? Or?
1: Yeah, I was. I was a flanker from like and you know, like I said, it was it was there was no sort of uh, it wasn't staggered the way it is now. So in first year comp. I think I'm pretty sure we played fifteen aside in first year of comp, So I, I, well, I played flanker then because my my old man had played on the front row, and so I said, "Don't go on the front row." <laughs> so that's so when I first started playing rugby. I was second row. In junior school, there were no flankers. I was, I was second row then, um, and then unlike most second rows, who tell you they're 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 actually a second row or a number eight, one of them, they mean I'm like, definitely just a second row, right? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was keen to get out. out I didn't want to play in the back, so I quite like being in the forwards. So I played, played flanker all my life. But I was, I was lucky. I was always probably the quickest player on the team. But I like, you know, I like the physical side of it as well. So it was nice. So that just that suited me quite nicely.
0: You mentioned that about playing districts. I remember from what I've been told back then in Wales that they man You talk about player workload. Mm. I, I've, I've had, I had friends who had kids who were playing district, even as late as sort of ten, fifteen years ago, and. The idea about player welfare was almost like it was a joke at that level because you were playing. You had play. You, had, you had, I had. my mate's lad was playing school club, yeah, uh, district and county, yeah. and was training yeah. pretty much every week for all of them. Well, we were train- and he was a hooker. It was like you're going to get your body's going to be absolutely fucked by the time you're yeah. 19 years old.
1: Well, I'm shambles now, but well, I mean, yeah, I played. Um, yeah, every night of the week, really. So it was the school first team, then there was the. Like you said, the district team and the county team, anybody who's sort of Welsh uh, squad stuff, got away with those. But then on a Saturday morning, we had school fixtures. And then on a Saturday afternoon, I would play youth uh, a couple of years younger. Um, so I was like two years younger playing for the youth. I'd play school first team, so I was sort of under 19s, but I was still in year 10, so I was like 15 then. All right. And
0: you'd, you'd and basically. forwards
1: play... as well, fair play. <laughs> yeah, so you're playing against sort of adults on a Saturday morning. Then I'd play, I would play. Um, for my local youth team on a by youth on a Saturday afternoon after the school game, you know, straight from one to the other, mm-hmm. and then on a Sunday I was still young enough to play, sort of under seventeens. So I, I would play three games on a Saturday, now two games on a Saturday, one game on a Sunday. Usually like a midweek game now and again, and then training like two or three nights a week. Did you get fed up with it? I never did, Leeds. To be honest, I just I loved it. I, I would play. I would have played all day every day if I could. I just. I didn't like training. I did. I trained because I had to. That was part of the game. I, you know, I sort of had to knuckle down and I, I loved the lifting weights and the sprints and stuff. But I hated all the cardio, all the cardio stuff. But I did expect yeah. to. But if I got to play rugby every day of the week, I would have done it. You know, I loved it.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that you you played a lot of stuff in district stuff. When did you leave school then? And did was did you go into uh, semi professional rugby straight from school, or were you working and still playing?
1: Well, I left school at sort of. I left school in 1990, so the game was still amateur then. And I was playing at the time at Cardiff Youth, and we'd won everything at, at that point. You know, we'd won. We'd had an unbeaten season and, and, and won everything we could have won in Wales and played on, on the National Stadium and all that sort of thing. It was nice. But I went from Cardiff Youth, uh, left school, uh, did a part-time job. So I, I, I got kicked out of sixth form a lot, and eventually <laughs> <laughs> Anything you can
0: share with us, or is it? So-
1: well, like so I a, and it was—it was—it was a problem in my rugby career. Really, was that I just had a really, really short fuse. And uh, I remember going with the Welsh schools. We, we were up in Chepstow at the army base there. We're going to go to New Zealand with with like the under eight, under eighteen, under nineteen team. I think I, think I might have told you this. this. This would have been like Wayne Proctor and Scott Quinell. That 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 age group.
0: You not told us this
1: one. No, go on. And, um, my PE teacher, got like, Scott, Mal Scott, had been my dad scrum up and my dad had shook us. They'd known each other for sort of 30, 40 years, you know? Um, and he knew I was a hothead, Mal, because I, I used to get sent off, you know, three or four times a season before you used to get big bands, you know?
0: Was that for fists mostly or gobbing? off? Yeah,
1: or... just being a dick, both. <laughs> <really>. <laughs> Pointing and then gobbing off. And then, yeah, I remember the one time that he... <laughs> one time I got sent off and Lofi Scott, I was like 17, um... I told him to fuck off about about forty times on on the field. <laughs> but but then I found out later that his name was Offy. His nickname was Offy because when he was a scrum up, he told everyone to fuck off all the time. So. <laughs> so I yeah, and my dad was trying to calm me down. It wasn't working, and then. Um, on the Monday, I was so embarrassed, so I went to school, I went to go and see him. I said, listen, Mr Scott, I'm awfully sorry about Saturday, you know, I was out of order. I should, you've been good to me. I shouldn't have sworn you like that, that was out of order. He said, that's right, like, you know, it takes a man to apologise. He said, I'm just letting you know that I have been in touch with the county, and I'm, I've asked them if they, you know, we're going to suspend you for a month so you learn your lesson, you know. I said, you can't do that, it was a school game. He said, well, I can. not You know, it's a county set-up. And I said, fuck you. I <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> and then I sort of fucked fuck up another 30 or 40 times and then so anyway so when I was 18 so I'm in that Welsh school school we're going to go to New Zealand it's all good I've played all the trial games it's all gone really well we had a couple of days in the National Stadium doing the sprints and the weights and stuff that was all good up to Chepstow I remember my dad saying to me um, you know for Christ's sake keep a cool head now for these and you'll be on the plane to New Zealand in a couple of weeks I said yeah yeah okay okay and uh, I'm we get to Chepstow and it was, I did everything. It was, it was the Sunday night. It was the last day. We'd been there for like four or five days for the whole camp. And we had a game of touch rugby. Last thing on the Sunday. And there was a flanker from from West Wales who, who uh, I didn't like very much. Sidestepped me in this game of just a mess around game of touch to finish the weekend.
0: Mm.
1: And, and sort of beckoned over his shoulder. After he went past me, kill man, catch me up. It's not fun. So I chased after him. I was quicker than him anyway. But... I remember, I remember kicking him. Before I knew what I was doing, I kicked him. And he sort of went flying. And then before he could get up, I, I, I just started hitting him in the back of the head like a fucking lunatic. And they pulled me off the pitch. And I was almost in tears. I was so frustrated with myself. And they uh, had to get off his got to drive from Barrie to Chepstow, which is about a 45-minute drive, to come and collect me like two hours before the end of the camp. They wouldn't let me stay to the end of the camp. They were so pulled at my behavior. And they picked me up. And uh, he said, wait there. And he went out and chat to the selectors to see if he could try and salvage anything. That wasn't going to happen. So when I got back in his car, and obviously he's, he's good mate to my dad. I remember him getting in the car, and I'd never heard him swear to me before. He's a teacher, wasn't he? Hmm. As I sat there, he just went to me, uh, well, you fucked that up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not very funny, but yeah, I could see.
1: I said, oh, yeah, sorry. Sir. He said, what are you can tell your dad? So he just, I just sat in silence, knocked the door, I could see my dad's face, wondering why it was two hours early, and, and off he's just to to my dad, Bob, you know, his, talk to your son, man. his head's gone, and that was it, and I so to fuck that up, they went to New Zealand, that team, and they were the only Welsh schools team to go to New Zealand and win all the test matches, you know, they, that was like the most would you, successful. Would
0: you have started in that team?
1: Yeah, I'd like to think I would have, you know, you don't know, but I mean, all the, all the sort of pointers were there, yeah. Um, yeah but but it's all ifs and buts rub, you know it, yeah, I I yeah. would have if I had been an absolute knob so you know so, you can't you can't really divorce the two can people say, say what would you have done if this or that and I said well it's like saying you know what would have happened if I, if I had an extra leg the point was I was a, I was a short fused dick
0: So what uh, I don't want to get I don't turn it into a psychology hour but was, was 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 your whole life like that were you like that in the playground or when you were out in the pub did you did you have a short fused no, never, never. was just started. was it was it just it was, a rugby it, thing?
1: Oh yeah, it was, it was. It was. almost. Oh, I loved rugby. That was the thing. I loved playing it. But um, yeah, I wasn't a scrapper. After a few drinks, I wasn't a fighter in town. We'd have a, you know, I was more of a singer than anything else. <laughs> I had a really happy home life. My mum and dad were happily married, and my my sister was happy, and I was happy, and it was all good. And I would get on the fucking pitch, and be like a lunatic. I don't. Yeah, it was. It was weird. It took a long time to calm down from that. I mean, I, I got Did you come
0: off. from like a club that was considered more inferior or something? Did you feel you had to demonstrate there was something?
1: Uh, yeah, I never thought of that. I mean, when I, was, when I was at Barry Youth, we used to get beaten every week. I mean, hammered. I remember, I remember going down to Flesley and getting beaten like 73-0 and being fucking livid. Cause, <laughs> yeah. Because I was trying, you know, I'd be putting sort of 30, 40 tackles in and we'd be losing. But I remember the selector saying to me the year after when I was 18. That even though I'd been at Cardiff Youth and we'd won everything. He said he didn't really catch our eye this year because you're in such a successful team. He said it was last year. He said, when you were playing for Barry, getting dicked every week. <sighs> you know, you were standing out then, which is, like, you didn't know that. I didn't know where the scouts were and the selectors were at the time, but I mean, yeah, maybe that's part of it. I'm just getting really frustrated. I, I, I'm probably one of the few people in, in Wales that's been banned for hitting his own player. I remember I, I, got, I got a six week ban for kneeing our hooker once because he, he just kept hooking the ball to them in a tight game. I said, what the fuck are you doing? He said, sorry, sorry, my sorry. I said, fuck I said, do that again. i want to fucking smack you. And the next scrum, he, <laughs> he kicked the ball to them. Really and nice. I hit him. when ref- the referee sent me off and hits him. And he was pleading with the referee, saying, please don't send him off, ref. He's like, fuck <laughs> So, yeah, it was a weird one. Okay, Just nice. a knob. Oh, yeah.
0: He was probably shaking so yeah. much at that last, that last hook that it's no surprise. It's
1: weird, like, because I met Kelly, I met my wife at the end of my rugby career, really. And uh, I remember when I first started doing stand-up, she'd heard these stories from all my rugby mates and whatever. And my wedding was mostly, you know, rugby friends. And, and, mm. and when I first started doing stand-up, as I was going out the door to a gig, you know, she would always say to me, "Mike, don't hit anybody." <laughs>
0: <laughs> if anybody heckles you, don't wade so, into the crowd.
1: And... Exactly. I said as a comedy gig, like, you know, you don't hit people. So yeah.
0: <laughs> this is not Vietnam. There are rules, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so,
0: yeah. so you missed out on that at eighteen. That was eighteen, was it? Going going to New Zealand with that team with some quite big players. Yeah, you're so. saying Quinell and Proctor and so on and so forth.
1: It was a great team, yeah. So, so I went. I stayed at Cardiff, played for Cardiff Youth, um, and then they had an under twenty. I, I got. I left Cardiff in a storm as well. It was funny, and it was, it was again. It was my my my, my minute fuse. I remember we were it was it was nuts at the time but before before we went professional. Cardiff was like this beer moth. It was huge, biggest club in the world. Everyone wanted to play there. So the number of I mean there must have been a hundred blokes in the senior squad. It was it was ridiculous, you know. And there was the Cardiff first team and the Cardiff ranks, I think the second team. And I remember being this nineteen-year-old kid just wanting to play, and being promised various things. So I stayed there. And then I remember one game I was sat on the bench for the second team, waiting to get on the field. And I wanted to play against Graham Price because they were playing against Pontypool United. Right? And Graham Price was at the end of his career. But i we really wanted to play against one of my heroes, right? So I wanted to be on the field. And they didn't put me on. But then the bloke next to me, the officer, didn't bring on was Richie Collins, who was at the time playing flanker for Wales, right? True. I thought, well. But in my mind, I thought, well, I I deserve a shot above him. I, you know, that's the way that my mind worked in those days. I remember this big and co- John Scott, the old England player, was was the Cardiff coach at the time. And we had a big team meeting And I said John when am I going to play first team When are we going to put me in And he, saw that he said there are internationals on the bench for the second I said I don't give a fuck about that <laughs> And then I remember having a huge ding done with John Scott then, And then I just left the club Because I, I, I did an offy Scott On John Scott <laughs> Did did, uh,
0: did people like you then Because you're a very likeable bloke now right Quite clearly yeah. yeah. Did, did, were you one of those, you know, everyone's got a mate and you're just like, well, I can't drop him because he's been made, but he does my fucking head in. Do you know what I mean? Were you, were you kind of a bit like that or was it something?
1: I think off the field, I was never like that. I like got all, all my, like I said, all my best mates were often off like, you know, my team and I'm the opposition team. And I'd, I'd always be the first one with the sing songs and the boat races and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. But it was real. I mean, yeah, I was a real fucking angry bloke for about 10 years. Very, very angry. I don't really know why. Um, yeah, if I fucked off to Canada and played over there, I'd had a chance to go over there to play. How old were you then? First time in Canada, I would have been about 20, 21. Mm. Went over there because I'd had a chance to play over there. I was still all amateur. Uh, just, I'm, I was quite happy. Just, I was playing rugby. They have a summer season in Toronto, so I'd go over there and play sort of end of April to sort of October. Then I would come back here and just play, pick up rugby wherever I could, have a game somewhere. You know.
0: What was what was the standard like in the early nineties in Canada and the Toronto divisions?
1: Poor. I played for a team Toronto Welsh. Well, I think it'd been a decent team in the seventies, but they'd lost a lot of players and and um, yeah, they weren't very good, which didn't do much for my short time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How many of them did you punch for not doing things oh,
1: right? <laughs> so good. No. I, uh, yeah I used to yeah, yeah, it was it was it was point so yeah I Did you end I, up back I, at Cardiff then or did you after well, this is the thing, I came back, well, they started running an under-21s, which would have been the precursor, I suppose, of like a, like a, like a Colts or an A-team now. Hmm. And they phoned me up, I'm under-23s maybe, I can't remember what it was now, but I got a phone call saying, can you come back, because I um, play for this Cardiff 21s team. I said, okay, so I, my, my first game back, we played uh, we played Buenos Aires, like the touring team, on the Arms Park. And I was flanker, uh, my dad was there, it floodlight game. And first line up, I can see it now. I came off the back of this line up to the fly half, and he jinked inside me and kind of kicked into touch. And I sort of did a U turn, and as I was jogging back to get to my side of the field, he spat in my face. This dude, fuck! <laughs> just... It was it was like it was like a violent Benny Hill sketch. I was just I was just <laughs> all over the field. With my dad, I can hear my dad screaming from the stands, going, "Leave it, leave it, for leave it, Mike, leave it." So, be think to
0: the thing is, though, man? I, I, I've got your back a bit there because of all the things that you cannot, that, you know, you can say I shouldn't have reacted to that in a rugby field, being spat at directly in the face for oh, no reason.
1: I would never. Do that.
0: I, I don't think there's any player who played the game who was a short fuse guy or not who wouldn't have gone fucking apeshit at that. Yeah,
1: probably, but I mean, yeah, you are right. So, but that didn't. That, they only had a few of those games. I went back to Canada. Um I remember I had a girlfriend, this is years ago, who just said, So what are you doing with your life? You seem like a nice bloke. What you know what are you <laughs> what are you bumming around for living on sofas and getting sent off in rugby? games all the time.
0: I keep smacking people. I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, and she was the only said, Why don't you go back to university? I said, I'm too old for the university, i you know, I've missed it. I'm 22, whatever. <laughs>
0: it's amazing so, how you're 22, you 22, year old brain works. When you look back it, now, it, it, isn't it? It's mad, isn't it? I didn't, go, I didn't go traveling after uni because I thought, well, I'll come back in two years there'll be nothing for me, you know. I will to have a job. And I look back now and I think, what a fucking idiot. Why don't I just go? You know? Well, one
1: thing, yeah, one thing that stuck with me, like I didn't start doing comedy till I was 37, but is you always think you're too old for stuff. And then 10 years later, you think, fuck, why didn't I do that then?
0: Hmm.
1: You know, so at 22, thankfully, I, you know, I, I, I took your advice Like I applied to college. Uni. And I went to what is now Cardiff Met, which was then, um, it was called Uick in Cardiff, which before the game was professional, was basically like an academy. So it was it was a way to get a PE degree and make a living out of sport and play rugby, you know, without being professional. So I was there. Uh, Yian Evans's sister was my interviewer. It was funny because I had no A-levels. I So I like fucked up. I a Non-Evans. She's not with us anymore, God bless her. But she interviewed me. And she all oh, she said was you know, would you play rugby for for the uni? I said, Yeah, of course. Yeah. She said, Well if you'll sign the forms, we'll give you a place. Without any without any A levels, so I said, Oh great. So I signed the forms, played. Um yeah, told Yeah. <laughs> told the selector's UI to fuck off. Uh, <laughs> that, was, uh, yeah.
0: that that UIC team was pretty strong, wasn't it? That was the Uick period. Was it Nathan Budget and
1: well, it was yeah, in that Lewis team, and- he's a good mate of I mine, mean, and Gary it is. So, I mean, that team, the first team was quite clicky at uni. So I thought, well, I'm not going to let them piss me off. I'll just play second team for the first year. I'll bite my time. But our second team was uh, like Nathan Budget, Gary Lewis. Um, uh, I'm trying to think who else was there. We had a, we had a few, Ben Evans. We were then brought for Wales. I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we had sort of four or five full internationals in that team. Um, so we won the first team. First team won the when the British University, Second team won the British universities. It, it was nice, but um, yeah. Then I got a. Uh, I I, mean, I love playing it. I love playing it. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I fell out with a lot of people, coaching the rugby and running the rugby there. And my name is all fashion. <laughs> well, it was again. I just I had this tremendous sense of injustice. I, I felt like a young David Banner. <laughs> you know. <I> just, <laughs>
0: Was yeah. that, but so why did you, so why did you think that they you know they weren't good enough to coach the game plan was wrong or was it simply that they just weren't selecting you was it when you look back what was it
1: I think I think there was always a bit of because I was a Barry boy and this sort of followed me through you know the listeners want or fade with Barry Barry's quite a rough blue collar industrial place like i, I can't think of I mean, anything and, it, else.
0: and it's seen as sort of like the runt cousin of cardiff as well
1: yeah it's very much sort of uh, yeah very much put put upon place you know and i was i was always the only barry person in any sort of representative team you know so when i got to uni it was all a lot of uh, a lot of welsh-speaking um westwardian types and then there was some fairly well-to-do cardiff types and i was just this Barry oik. Who used to go around, you know, swearing to people and flinching them. But then I thought I thought, I thought I should play, so obviously. I was my mother. and and uh, I remember they finally gave me a chance. I remember I I'd been biding my time for the first year. And then in the second year they finally uh, I trained, never missed a training session, trained hard, played hard when I played. And then I uh I can I remember we trained on a Tuesday night. And then they put me in the first team for the first time on a Wednesday. I scored three tries on the Wednesday. I trained on the Thursday, and they dropped me for the Saturday. So I said, and the head coach was there, I said, I said, how am I dropped? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've never missed a training session. I played all last year for the second. You give me a chance for the first team, I scored three tries, and you dropped me for the Saturday. He said, no, it's just our selection policy. I said, why don't you go and fuck yourself? (laughs) Did he explain
0: what a selection policy was out of interest?
1: I was too easy to fuck off for this hard race ago. <laughs> and then I made my idea. I'm Cobbner, not
0: interested in details, just fuck off, yeah.
1: <laughs> I just stormed off. and Then I made, he's, he's now a friend, Dave Cobner was the second team sort of coach, a lovely fella from Cornwall, loves his rugby. I just remember coming after me and putting his arm on my shoulder, saying, why come back? I said, no, fuck him, Dave. So I play second team and I, I yeah, I just, I, I never went back to that sort of, um to the first team again. I just sort of kept the low profile, did my own thing. Played a bit of rugby league. And then when I finished, went down to Uwick, went uh, UIC, I went down. I applied for my teacher training at Uwick. But they they could not wait for the chance to tell me to go and fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh I went down to St. Luke's in Exeter. So and you finished
0: teacher training down there?
1: Yeah, well Gary Lewis was, was Gary John, I should say, was a was a friend and he he taught me when I was at Barry Boys and sort of I think he understood what it was actually like. And uh, a guy called Ian Bremner was coaching. had gone from London Irish to Exeter to coach. And he got after a strength coach. So uh, Gary phoned me up. So when do you go down? If you, if, you know, if you're going to go to St. Luke's, when do you go down to Exeter? You know, I'll the inn. We'll get you a job done there. So I ended up being the strength coach at the Chiefs. And It was yeah, nice to so give nice you a what
0: year is this then now? Cause you,
1: this would have been the year they went from Exeter to the Chiefs. So this would have been 98, 99. So late 90s, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I played a bit of rugby down there, but I, I taught, I was doing a teacher training, so we, a lot of Saturdays about fixtures and that. But So, I played a bit of rugby down there, played some local rugby I some, on my uh, teacher training. Yeah, I enjoyed like, St. Luke's is a good time, and I, I enjoyed working with them. Um, it was weird, like when I watched like Rob Baxter and, and Ricky Pellow on those boys on the TV, like when I when I was coaching them, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, my, my train to fame is I've almost had Rob Baxter in tears doing squats. He was, <laughs> it was a great, I mean, him and his brother Rich were both big, you know, strong, naturally strong lads. And that was just a nice, it was a really nice club down there. I really, I mean, I watch this, that's the team I follow now in the Premiership, is, is the Chiefs.
0: I get, just, you get the impression they are still a nice club, actually. Yeah, they're very, they could very just honest. just rethink the branding thing, it'd be all so much easier. But it's the, but, but leaving that aside, they do, it's what you'd want a successful club to be, isn't it? Somebody that. Yeah, does. they've always
1: had a good youth programme. I went on the pre season tour, they Dr. to Cornwall. Um, They've always had a good. They bring the young lads up from Cornwall and, and uh, always operate in the black. They've never been in debt, you know, mm. since day one. So we really enjoyed it down there. And they gave me a car and a contract. and looked after me, and um, yeah, it was good. I was what, nice what
0: qualified you as a self, the strength and conditioning coach. Then was that because you, tra- you did some of that in college or yeah?
1: Well, I did a, I did a sports degree. Right. And, you know, well, I did a bit of, done a little bit of, bit of bodybuilding and a bit of a lot of weight training and stuff. So. Um, yeah, I just had an interview down there with Bremner and he gave me the job. So there was a girl there called Maria doing the sort of sprint work and the track work and I would do all the stuff in the weight room. So it was nice. I mean, for me, it was perfect.
0: So it was quite early days of professionalism, basically. So they were paying for stuff like that by then, were they?
1: It was just about getting into it, yeah. I mean, this would have been second or third year of professionalism, you know. So, um, and they, But they were part-time, the Exeter boys then. It was sort of, you know, 250 quid a week in Did the car. Did you play
0: for them at any point? Or any of
1: their no. team levels, no? Oh, I played second team a few times. Right. Probably, but when... And teaching allowed, but I didn't play first team down there, and then what was yeah, I was I'm trying to think. And then I ended up teaching in Bath for like five years and playing local rugby in Bath, enjoyed that.
0: What was your club in Bath?
1: It was a club called All Calver because the school was, was Calver Hayes School, which oh. is no longer there now. But um, we still had Saturday fixtures, so I couldn't say that you know, every sort of every, one Saturday in three, I couldn't be there, so you could, there was no point in going to a big club and trying to. And trying to do that so i played local rugby really enjoyed that Had had three or four seasons down there playing for them um
0: this is why you got your first job as a p.e teacher
1: was it yeah that was the first te- my first p job was there but so i did that for four so three or four years maybe there and then uh yeah i went back to canada for a bit and played some more rugby and some more coaching and told some more people to fuck off. <laughs>
0: Yeah that I think we all all listeners would like to know at what point the stopping telling people to fuck off. Yeah. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening
1: to, right now. Yeah, I came back... on that like, That's just come
0: with age and experience, the, 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 short, the lengthening of the fuse?
1: Do you know what it is? I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm not the world's most patient bloke now, but I mean... Having kids was 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 the big thing for me. Mm. Like like I said to my son my son loves his rugby, loves his football, loves his rugby. I say, you know, don't, don't be like your dad. I mean he's a he's a all dads think their kids are super talented, but he's, he is a talented little sportsman. But I said just the one promise me the one thing, just don't lose your reg, you know, just because that's you're not helping the team.
0: Mm.
1: You know. It's all right like being you known as being a bit of a scrapper and being whatever else. But I was a talented bloke and you know, I was I was I was fast, I was strong, I had a good pair of hands, I had good skills, I read the game well. But if I'm not on the field, you're not doing anyone any favours, you know. So I said to him, you know, you need to try and... And if he gets down about himself after a game, I just pull. it, I was driving the car, just pull over and say, listen, think about why you're playing, mate. Think about you with your mates, you're outside, it's a nice day, you can smell the grass, you're playing rugby, just think of all that. Think of all that and don't get angry about stuff, because I mean, that's why we just fucking... Like I said, I couldn't. For someone who loved rugby so much, I've I've thought about it myself. I don't know why the what I was so angry about, but I was, yeah. Listen, and I have teammates just trying to say, for God's sake, Mike, you know. I remember you must one- have
0: been fucking because you must have been fucking infuriating to them. They must have wanted to kill
1: you, but probably couldn't because you punch them. But it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember once. I remember playing a game once, and and I chased a fella over a try line. I I've never like. We we talk about it on the podcast. I don't like showboating, right? I hate it. I don't like people trying to giving up on on a tanoi. I don't like pipe music. I don't like stupid celebrations. I don't like people pretending to sleep after they've got a try. I don't like all that bullshit, <laughs> right? So I just like to play rugby. I, I think that's part of the game for me. Is that it's without being chauvinistic. I just like that 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 real physical challenge of it and that mm-hmm. uh, sort of conflict I like the competition side of it, but. It, I was never a dick off the field. As soon as, soon as the whistle went, I would shake hands and like, buy somebody a pint. It was all good. And uh, so we played. I remember, I remember a game and I was chasing a fella from halfway and he, he got over the line just in front of me, but he wouldn't put the ball down. He was just dicking around with the ball, right? I just thought, put the fucking ball down. And as he, as he put it down, I just clocked him. It. it was a lovely punch as well, right? And the referee sent me off immediately. But I was incensed that he wouldn't send him off for, for showboating. So I started
0: Can't up. you see these are comparable offences, ref?
1: Exactly. He started it. <laughs> right, so, I remember my whole team just saying, Bubbins, get the fuck off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're just losing on an up. tell all my team to fuck off, I like, yes. one by one. It was
0: like Eddie Murphy coming to America. Fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> yeah. fuck you. Who's fuck next? Fuck you. Who's next? I'm off. <laughs> you can fucking have it and all. Oh. Yeah. So, um, so you were teaching. You're in Bath, and then so for early 2000s, you came back to South Wales. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I came back after I did my abortive uh, coaching camp career. I, I sort of entered into a business partnership with a, with a mate of mine who's rugby player. Who can best be described as a fantasist and alcoholic, <laughs> right? <laughs> who proceeded to drink all our profits for two years, and then uh, so that went tits up. How many times people.
0: you have to tell him to fuck off to get it out of your system? <laughs>
1: <laughs> to do my eyes with him, was just...
0: <laughs> so that didn't work out then, basically. You're trying what you're trying to do with kind of coaching days, everyone pays to attend, make a bit of money that way, was
1: yeah. You? We did that, and I said, Listen, mate, I was, I was teaching at the time where we started, it was going to be called First 15 Rugby. And I said, "Listen, mate, I'll get just as much as so I can." So I got the, I got all the logos done and the, and the tracksuits done and got the ball sorted. I'm on the phone to people like Rhino and getting things done and getting the flights done. I got the location sorted. Um I Put the program together, and his job was to go over and just sell it. And he was, I oh, I could sell, I could sell cold in Newcastle. I said, "All right, good. just go get some kids on this camp, then, mate." And the first year, they were like almost no kids that we lost we lost a lot of money in the first year hmm. i was still teaching i'd gone up there for that six week holiday and the next year rather than me just say you know that was a daft idea don't go in, don't go into business with an alcoholic fantasist i uh, he said you know what the problem was last year so i got a pretty good idea what it was i'm here. he said yeah you need, to go, you, need, you need to commit more time to, to it if we're gonna make it work he said you need to quit your job and said get over here on easter you know so I did, like a twat. I resigned from. <laughs> I resigned from a full-time teaching job with a nice pension to go to Calgary with him, in like the, in the April. And we were there until the October, and we made zero cash. Because right? like... <laughs> and and he was like, he was such a soft twat that. I remember the one kid turned up. Well, we'd given him like t-shirts. I mean, it was costing us for a kid to be there, but the time we'd give him like. <laughs> Their lunch and giving them a free ball and a T-shirt and all that shit. I mean, it's costing us money. So, um, and he he was letting kids come for free. I said, "What? What? what do you mean? He let them come for free? He's a nice kid, mate." I said, "I don't give a shit. I'm nice. He's costing me money." So, so we did that for the second year. Then, a lot, <laughs> load of cash. I remember there was a fella called Dan Kazakov who runs the Calgary Rubber Union Clubhouse. Lovely fella, right? Really nice bloke. And I and he did all the catering for this thing. And we bounced the cheque on him. And I was so I mortified. <laughs> I, I gave him this cheque in good faith. And he came to see me and said, Mike, I'm, I'm sorry with this, but the check's bounced. I said, I said oh, no, Dan, it couldn't have bounced, man. I said, you know, there was, there was enough money there to cover that. And then I remember Simon turned up at a party with about 24 cases of beer. right? <laughs> I said, is that Dan's money? He said, what do you mean? I said, mate, I've, I've just bounced a cheque on Dan. That's so why I, I, I had to get the money together to pay Dan off. It was really nice about it. So, yeah, I, I moved back then, decided that, <laughs> couch, that, that... So, all things considered,
0: that wasn't a goer, so you came back
1: I, When I came back, I was destitute. Like, I literally didn't have two Jeez. pens to scratch my ass. I, was, I, was, I found myself at sort of 30, back, back sleeping on people's couches again. <laughs> so, that was nuts. So, then I, I got a teaching job in, in Cardiff. And I thought, right, let's play some proper rugby. And I played for the Wanderers. went to the Wanderers and played. Played the first year. That's Glamorgan
0: Wanderers in Cardiff, for anybody listening who doesn't know. but
1: Yeah, I yeah, just knocked around the first year, uh, playing a bit. And then I thought, I'll do this properly. So that, pre- that off-season after that, I, I put the yards in and, and I'm getting a contract, which is nice. I was teaching full-time. They gave me a first-team contract. I was 30. What's, what's the money like? i can't remember mate this would have been about this would have been about 15 years ago so i'd have been about 31 32 at this point and i was um i think it would have been a couple of hundred quid a game you know so it wasn't bad it, it was it's a fairly and,
0: decent supplement to your income though without having said that they do expect you to train well, do, well let me ask the question are you expected to train like a pro for that money
1: well, I love training. That. I, I always liked training. That's a thing. So I was in, I was in really good nick. I mean, um, but yeah, you were expected to train sort of two. Far from the cardio. I think, no, I did it. I just didn't enjoy the cardio. So I'd like do two or three nights a week training. And then we should we should get there early on a Saturday and you, you know, you'd, you'd have a game plan and do it all properly. And, but it was weird, mate, like rugby had changed. in that time from when I played decent rugby over here to going away and um, and they coming back and playing good rugby. I remember going to a, we played a team that a friend of mine called Jason Lewis was fly half for, and he, and we'd been in the same sort of, uh, Welsh school set up at 18, and I'd seen him for a long time. He was a really good player, Jason, outside of that. And uh, after the game, I was on a pint with him at his clubhouse there. And I remember the, the coach saying, come on, we, we're uh, we going to get on the bus, Mike. I said, what, what do you mean? We were literally just out of shower, something it was my <laughs> first pint. And I think the young lads, like the nineteen, twenty-year-old boys in the team, when I was 31, 32, had already had taxis booked from Cardiff into town, you know. So rather oh, than right. stay up and have a night, and have a drink, and have a sing, and have a, and have a laugh, we stayed about an hour, forty-five minutes. Got on a bus, went back to Cardiff. Boys jumped on the on the, in the into taxis and went off into nightclubs. I thought, well, this is not me, man. This is that was weird for me to get my head around, you know. That sort of new that sort of rugby wasn't my sort of rugby. Yeah, but I think what what I think what, going to Canada for a lot of that time in, in the interim, very amateur game over there, so and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, you know, people who've made their own clubhouse and people who uh, paid subs and people who, you know. To come back to that was a bit of a culture shock. So I played there for a season, didn't, if I'm honest, I didn't particularly enjoy it, and then I had a really bad injury. I detached my bicep. Um,
0: Ouch.
1: Yeah, that was a killer. Um, and I did, you, stopped
0: did your dad treat that, that the same way he treated your broken leg when you were a kid? You'd know if you'd snap your bicep, yeah. you'd be in agony. Yeah,
1: you trotted trot it off. <laughs> do,
0: it, do a couple of curls. <laughs> With some peas on your arm.
1: <laughs> I did, I came home that night. I just started seeing, I didn't want to start seeing my wife, my now wife. And it was a swinging arm tackle, as usual. right? Like I remember I used should, to I should train religiously, I was lifting a lot of weights. I used to keep a training diary. And I remember reading the notes that I should take notes on every session. And for weeks, my right arm had been in agony, like in the elbow, when I was doing these heavy curls. And my notes were always, elbow's still really painful. Keep lifting heavy until the pain stops. Right? <laughs> Which,
0: I mean... When you look back at it now, could you see what you did there?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't sound sounding voice. To <laughs> and it's just, I, I had these huge, I had these big arms on me. You know, the boys just took a piss on my arm. But I mean, we, yeah, I remember just giving this this stocky strummer of a swinging arm tackle, and he ducked his head into it, and it hit me right in the bottom of the bicep, and my bicep just sprang off the bone, and ended up under my under my shoulder, just bunched up. I was in agony with it. But going home, and fooling myself. Like you say, about well, the frozen peas, that's why I did. <laughs> Came home, put a big frozen bag of peas on my on my elbow. But there was no there was no muscle there. It was just this flat area. With, like this big, this big like cricket ball under my under my deltoid, and then the Monday I went back to school to teach, and my whole arm from the elbow down was just this black balloon. <laughs> and, and my mate Andy I told him, said, I think you better get that sorted up. <laughs> so I went to the hospital for that, and they said, oh, you, it's complete detachment. And it was all, it's all, it's off the bone, and uh, I, saw, I saw myself up. They wanted me to do the operation, but it was going to be sort of. 12 weeks. Again, this is one about you're never as old as you think you are at the time. I remember them saying to me, well, it's going to be three months in a in a cast and then three months of rehab. I thought, that's six months. You know, mm-hmm. but I was 32 then. I remember thinking to myself, what is pointless now? I've had, I've had a decent innings with rugby. I'll, I'll just knock it on the head, you know. And I stopped playing. And in hindsight, I'm not a big one for regrets, but I should have got that sorted at 32 because my head was just starting to get around the fact that if I was nice to referees, I could step <laughs> up and get away with more. You know, if I was nice to coaches, they'd actually pick me and give me contracts and stuff. So, so as my head was getting sorted, my, my body started to fall apart, which is, I suppose, that's life, isn't it? So, um,
0: so you retired then, did you? When the, when the arm went, was that when you finished?
1: Yeah, I retired. I retired about sort of 30, I must have been 32, 33. Um, and I, yeah, started seeing Kelly. So, Kelly never really saw me play, but she saw me play, um. We had a reunion game for my old school at Bath and I went along to it, but by this point I was still doing the social side of rugby without any of the training I used to do. So I was about nineteen stone by this point, right? So we played they asked me to go play this old like staff against pupils. Like game, the right? white bastard. Of. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> it, 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 worse. <laughs> so I got in bath and we had, I remember we had the like the year uh, like the six form jerseys we had to use, right? So these these yellow acrylic, long-sleeved shirt. Like, just about got the shirt on. And I hadn't played for sort of five or six years, you know. And Kelly had took some photographs on her, on her phone of the game. She said, oh, I want to see I've never seen you play right? But I said, well, this is not really me at my peak, to be honest. But, you know,
0: <laughs> I'm come getting, along. I'm getting this in early, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, fuck
0: off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she took photographs of the game. And I remember, I, I was just describing this to people. Whenever you look yourself in the mirror, if you're overweight you tend to suck your belly in without knowing it, you know. So I'm always looking at myself, picking my chin up, sucking my belly in, you know. Oh, you're always so of kidding yourself, really. But when you're just knacking in a game of rugby, that's out the window, but, you know, obviously. So I look in these photographs. I said, who's that fat prick? She said, where? I said, look at him. He looks like he's got a walk under his shirt. He <laughs> looks like this bright yellow cement mixer for a belly, right? And she said, that's you. I said, don't be so ridiculous. <laughs> How said, dare you? She said, "Look at the socks, and the only one wearing purple socks was me." Right? I was like, "Jesus Christ!" I mean, I, I, I looked like a toffee apple. It was ridiculous <laughs> how fat I
0: was. I went to so, I was on holiday to Ireland with the kids about five years ago, and on my lad's phone, I was scrolling through his photos that he'd taken. Was a profile photo of me in quite a slim-fitting jumper, <laughs> and, it, and and you know what I did? I did that thing. I went to I went have you done something to that photo? Have you, like, squeezed it <laughs> downwards or something? Like, like I said, like, yeah, like, I thought he'd, like, done that thing, like a magic mirror thing on it. I was like, he said, no, he said, is that, and I've got quite a big nose as well, so it's like a double whammy of, like, a profile nose shot and the full derby. It was absolutely horrific. So, yeah, I lost some weight in the next 18 months. That. Oh,
1: mate. Well, I, yeah, I was, I, was, I was big then. So then I, that put me off playing because I, I didn't want to look like, yeah, like a toffee apple player, <laughs> and then I just start playing a bit of veterans. Then we talked, we talked before we did the recording about people, guys, you've here, and some boys who play some decent rugby. Um, I started playing veterans rugby for Barry. Only Mickey Mouse stuff over to, over to France every year and play few games against the French boys, and they came over here and we play against them, and that's nice. You know, that's uh, I, I've yet to be sent off in a. In a <laughs> in a veterans game
0: there's time but the, uh, the, all... the I would I would, I had the idea of playing veterans I don't fancy training I fancy turning up and playing but I worry because I've not played probably since the time when you stopped playing I've not played since about 32, 33 apart from mm-hmm. the old daft bit of touch every now and again yeah and in my mind I still think I can take contact like I did when I was 27 yeah but I always worry that you won't just. You don't really get injured, You just get kind of powdered at this age. If you. If
1: you... you do, it's weird. You, you soon get into it, like because the boys that I play with have all at all at some point played good rugby, not just a bunch of complete hacks. So you know. So when the whistle goes, you are playing a version of rugby that that's recognisably rugby. But I mean, and and that's the, the contacts. Fine, getting up takes a long time. You don't spring up. Hmm. Getting up takes a long time, and and the crisis the recovery league more than anything else i mean yeah i, I was out for a week i mean literally like well, about three or four times a week as a youngster then and when you're playing in your 20s and, and you're your early 30s you know, you're playing once a week and you're like, sunday's a bit sore then you're training again on a monday i was out for a week I, I, I could barely walk it was
0: and it's that shit that didn't hurt when you were a kid and didn't make you tired i you know like you i don't know if you have this now but i when my kids were smaller you never got tired swimming when you were a kid did you and no. I took the kids swimming, and I thought, well, while I'm here, I'll do about six lengths. And I did. And then after, I couldn't get my fucking jumper on. <laughs> I had, like, my heart... You know when you put your hands above your head and they're shaking? You
1: think, I can't get me fucking hard through the jumper Well, <laughs> When you got to prop your elbow against the inside of the shower, don't
0: to be <laughs> And because I'd got into cycling, which didn't help either, because you end up with decent legs and arms like a fucking T-Rex, and you can't actually do anything. So it was just... I've done that middle-aged, middle-class oh. cycling thing. Yeah, so... So you finished then? And obviously, we were still, were still working as a teacher when you retired. Then is that is that what you were still? Well,
1: I was yeah, I was still teaching. I was still um, still teaching PE. So I taught for about another five or six years after that. So I, I, I mean, I say I retired. I'd have a would run around with the boys. I was coaching and you know, and I got on the field with them and throw the ball around and everything. But I mean, not doing any any proper rugby. And that's what i saying, Like I remember thinking thirty two was old for rugby, and now I'm thinking shit. You know, that was that's young, really, especially mm. if you're. If you're, I, I played, when I was in Bath, I, I moved down to the centre, and played a lot in the centre, and I enjoyed playing in the back, so it was easy. Um, yeah, I, I realistically could have played probably another four or five years, you know, at least. But I but, but I remember thinking, oh man, this is all for rugby. And so I started doing, so then what I, what I want that to start doing comedy at so 36, 37. I go I and just
0: explore that for a minute there before you said you wanted yeah. to start doing comedy. Have you, I mean, you're obviously a funny bloke. Did were you, what, could you always make people laugh? You knew it was something you always wanted to do, or did you suddenly wake up at 36 and go, "I fancy being a comedian"?
1: No, it was, I mean, it, was it was tied in with rugby again, really. I mean, I'd always been the person that was saying, like, "You know, people must have hated you. They they might have hated me on the field, but I was always I think I was always good at value off the field. So it was always me that was doing the little stories and singing, doing starting the singing off and doing that sort of stuff. And then I got into writing. Really, it, it was the writing that got me into stand-up. I wanted to go to do a, to do a. I was I was a bit pissed off with teaching. I think I wanted to change a career and I, maybe give some writing a go because I was always being a decent writer. And then I went to a, a comedy writing workshop, hmm. and they got the they got the date wrong. And it was a stand-up comedy workshop. So I ended up I was going to leave, and then she said, "Well, you might as well stick around to the course." And you know, I said, oh, "Okay, I'll see what it's like." So I did this stand-up course only for a few hours, but the girl doing it was really, really bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking to myself, "Christ, if you can make any money out of comedy, that I can make a living out of this because you are fucking awful." And uh, she was. I mean, but I, I, I and thank God. I mean, I don't think she was a, was a comedian. I think I think she was a drama teacher who'd been nice asked to do like a comedy course, mm-hmm. uh, a comedy workshop. Nice girl, just not funny, and. Um, <laughs> But I said, if she'd have been brilliant, I would have thought, oh, God, I can't do this. But she was crap, so it was good. So, um, yeah, and then just from that, I ended up, I was thinking, Oh two too. And then, fair play to my wife, she was all, oh, give, give it a go, give the old stand-up a go. And I thought, oh, I'm 36, and oh, that's too old. And I remember what I thought about with the rugby. I thought, well, oh, hang on. You'd, you'd want to be in 10 years' time wishing you'd started a comedy of 36.
0: It's difficult when you just had small kids as well, isn't yeah, it? Because, yeah. because it, the, 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 you know. The impact on the lifestyle and stuff, and it, te- well, well, I swear, I mean, I, it takes it takes a lot of support from your family, is what I'd say. I suppose
1: she was brilliant. She said to me, "Let's get the get the mortgage sorted out because when you're self-employed, it's going to be a pain in the ass. Get the mortgage sorted out. Let's pay for the wedding, and then do we want to do? So you know, I did that got the mortgage sorted, got the wedding paid for, and resigned within like weeks. <laughs> did you get yeah. gigs quite quickly? Yeah, I was lucky. I i, I I went to I did Edinburgh straight away, which which you know, again you, you're told not to do that, so I told him to fuck off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've not been selected for Edinburgh. Fuck
1: off. <laughs> yeah, the fuck are you? So um, yeah, I did an hour. Like in my first year of comedy, I did an hour in Edinburgh, which is, you know, it worked out well in the end. It was it was hard, and I, you know it was it was a tough old month. But then when I came back, I did a charity night in the Glee Club in Cardiff and one of the acts dropped out I was supposed to do 10 minutes as an open spot and they said you know can you do 40 minutes I said yeah I've just done an hour for a month you know so I did a 40 minute gig which was my first gig in the Glee it was a 40 minute gig in the Glee Club and then that went down well and then I was shopping the next day with Kelly and had a phone call saying can you do Birmingham Glee Club next weekend I said yeah okay so I went from sort of not getting paid at all to doing weekends in you know one of the the better sort of, if not the best sort of comedy club in the country, which is nice. So yeah, I haven't, I haven't hit any punters yet. So it's all gone, you know, um,
0: you mentioned at the beginning, the embryonic TV star is, is that something that's coming through? Is it? Is something you can talk about?
1: Yeah, there's, um, I do a radio series called the unexplainers, which is like a, which is like a sexy X, X files. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm like this sort of, I'm in the eye candy. It's on radio, of course. Um, yeah, so that's basically, that's been commissioned for TV, so we've been recording that this week, that's going to go out on, the, on BBC Wales to start with, and hopefully, you know, maybe go a network in the autumn, so that started, and then I started uh, recording a new sitcom um, tomorrow, like, I've got, to, I've got to meet the, get my wardrobe stuff done tomorrow, so there's going to be a new sitcom, that's out in the autumn, but I'm going to be in there, you know, as long as I don't tell anyone where to go in the meantime, and then uh, yeah, and I've got I've got a couple of other little bits of bobs with with BBC at various stages. So yeah, there's there's like two things that are definitely happening, uh, and two things that are looking very promising. So that's that's, that's, all, that's all good.
0: Well, I think you're a signal lesson in many ways, Mike, about having a go, different go at different things at different times in your life. Because there's definitely different points where you've done that, isn't there?
1: Yeah, with, that's a different thing. effects,
0: I'm... I suppose. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm... I remember saying, it sounds really cheesy, it sounds really twee, but at my, at my, uh, at my wedding saying, you know, that, and this is before I was doing comedy, really, um, because people were always asking about the rugby, always about the rugby. Do you wish you'd done this? Do you wish you'd done this? Do you wish you hadn't done this? Do you wish you hadn't done, Do you you hadn't done that? And my point was, well, I, the, the day I got married was a great day, and I thought, well, if, if I would if have done anything differently, mm. you know, if I hadn't punched someone, I hadn't been sent off, if I hadn't been a prick, if I hadn't been, you know, um, on some bloody GBH charge. If I hadn't done all these these weird things in my life and various busted up business ventures, I wouldn't have ended up where I was that day. So, you know, yes, you can't... Okay. Do you know what I mean? If it won, one little thing differently it would have taken me in a completely different path. And I'm, I'm very happy where I am now, so...
0: My lads do GCSEs now, <laughs> and I had to kind of tell him that, basically, I was always quite bright, and I had shit GCSE results and shit A-level results, mm. and ended up phoning around universities and ended up in the University of Teesside in Middlesbrough because I got such poor A-level results. And it was there that I met my wife and met six of the best friends and played rugby with guys I still see now
1: Well, that's what I mean, four people... times
0: a year, you know. And it's difficult. I don't want to get too philosophical about this, but there is something about it. You can't let it fucking worry you too much at the end of the day, you know.
1: You just got to go with it, mate. I mean, Christ, there's, you know. As I say to people, I used to get in trouble when I was teaching because I would say to kids, if they were stressing about the GCSEs, I remember saying to kids, and getting bollocked for this. <laughs> I said, don't worry about your GCSEs. That's yeah. yeah. what do you mean, sir. I said, oh, fuck it. I said, like, you know, I said I, I didn't do great in my GCSEs, I didn't get any A levels. I said, it's, you know, you can, always, you can always do them again. And my head teacher said, fucking te- PE te- teachers, eh? <laughs> <laughs> have you been telling kids that exams don't matter? And my, my point was, like, you know, it's a lot of pressure when you're 16, it's isn't not,
0: it? I'm seeing it now. It's different to when we were there, completely and utterly different to when we were yeah, there.
1: Be all right. if, you, if you're a decent person, you know, you tell enough people to fuck off, it'll you know, always. <laughs>
0: At the end of the day, he goes through the bad and rebounds back to being good.
1: <laughs> I remember I had a gig the only one time when I thought, it, it, it was like, um, I had a gig up in the Welsh Valleys for a good friend of mine called Henry Whittacombe, who's Josh Whittacombe's brother. It's a good comic in his own right, Henry, but he doesn't gig anymore. He used to run these lovely gigs and uh, there was a fella called Trevor Locke, who's a, who's a mate who's a comic, who I'd sort of recommended this gig to. So I compared it every month and he came down and did it and, and um this one real bad twat in the crowd who just gave, made his life a misery for half an hour, right? And it wasn't that sort of game, I'd never seen this dude before. So I, I apologised to to uh Trevor at the, at the end of it. And I was going was mm-hmm. going the guy he starts heckling me now. They said, he's he's had a, he's had a skin full. I said, mate, I'm not Trevor. I said I said, he re really embarrassed me now. I said that's a good friend of mine. He's come from London. I might say so. I said, and you've made an absolute prick of yourself. Don't think I'm a nice bloke like Trevor. I'll quite happily drag you into the car park and fuck you up, bro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like Lenny Bruce. Yeah, go
1: <laughs> I came down after the gig, and I was in the bar. And this bloke's girlfriend came over. And he said, I'm sorry about that. He's a bit pissed. And I said, sorry, I don't know who you are. So that was my boyfriend. I said, "Oh, well, your boyfriend's a dick, you know? Why is he here?" Oh no, he's just pissed. I said, well, so "I'm going to probably be pissed." I said, "There's people who come here every month who want to see comedy." Any I said, "Why are you apologising for your for your boyfriend for?" Time to grow a pair of balls and come over and apologise for himself, right? Oh, he just want to come over. He's embarrassed. I said, "He's an arsehole. So then he said, <laughs> He shouted over said to me, "What's your problem, mate?" And it was like it was like being back in Chepstow in 1990. <laughs> I sprinted over there, right? Before I could get out of his chair, I thought, and I stopped myself, and Henry was, was right behind me. And I just basically told this fella, in no, no uncertain terms to leave, right? Well, I was shaking, and, and Henry, <laughs> Henry was white-loving. He's a, like, Henry's a lovely, like, vegetarian, hippie comedy promoter, right? But nine stone dripping wet with a beard. And he said, oh my God, I thought you were gonna kill him. I said, well, no, mate. I would never I would never hit somebody at one of your gigs. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hit them outside, But I, I I'm and uh, yeah, you, you can't. I mean, and that's been good for me. Comedy's been good for me for that because you, you can't. I found out that you, you can't go around punching people <laughs> in venues. It's very much frowned upon. So, but uh, like I said, with rugby, I think it was a release for me because I always knew, you know, I was, you weren't going to get glassed and you weren't going to get someone sticking a knife in you. And it wasn't going to be anything stupid. You were going to have a bit of a ding dong.
0: Mm.
1: You know, and a lot of my best mates, and you might have found the same thing with rugby league and everything as well. A lot of my best mates from rugby were the blokes on the other team that I used to have the real sort of set twos with, you know? And I, 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 I had no problem with that. I thought, I thought that was a nice. I miss that. That's you, I got a little boy now, and I don't want him playing rugby where, you know, there's fights every, every two seconds like rugby used to be. But I mean, I do miss that. I miss that. Um,
0: there is something about it being part of the the kind of social contract of rugby in some ways of course people should be protected of course it shouldn't be yeah. i mean it was ridiculous before i mean getting king punched out of nowhere is out of order yes, I, Do you know what i
1: mean and
0: and and just generally having an acceptable level of violence is just you, you can't have that i don't think and one well, i don't think they can have that from a, from a litigation point of view anyway. they have to do something it's a different world it's but to this.
1: what is unquestionable is there were less dicks playing what I played you know yeah there were less, you, you couldn't get away with it the Chris Ashtons of this world wouldn't have lasted two seconds someone would have, you know if someone on the other side hadn't sorted him out then one of his own team would have had word, or you
0: or you'd have had to get very good at defending himself because there were fair flare players but who we were also pretty hard as nails when it came down as well yeah But but it's Yeah and, But I do think There's something about An acceptable level of risk In the social contracts Of rugby That you might get A bit of a slap You know
1: Well it's like the bit I read a really good report Last week about rucking You know And obviously The sponsors And the TV people Didn't want to see people Getting shooed On the bottom of a ruck A that never really Caused any damage You know Because you, there were Again there were Sort of unwritten rules You didn't go for Sort of Groins and faces and stuff, you know. But you know, no, you know, and it happened to me.
0: A... It happened to me, and you moved, and, you know. Was... On the back and
1: my legs and your ass and whatever. Yeah, get out of the way, you know. And I, and I think it, it, the speed of the game up, you know, and you see boys now flying into rucks, taking people out behind a ruck. I mean, there's, I think there's much more injuries in rucks now. They've cleaned rucks up than they were in the old days. Yeah, but I think it looks more acceptable now. You know, you watch some of those rucking in the old days. You go, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> watch it. Oh, tell you played last the way you played rugby back then. Was
0: what that was right? The South African ref caught on camera once back in the 90s. I don't mind the racking, but that was mountaineering. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's been a lovely, it's hey, been lovely talking to you. Um, and I hope everyone's enjoyed that out there. Um, and we'll speak to you all soon when we are back on. Cheers. Take care. Bye bye.
1: Yeah, take care.